Hey guys, welcome back. I'm Lacey, your host and the creator of the brand, business, and podcast, Ox and Plow, hashtag Chick Chats. For those of you who don't know, we are design and branding media group for the cannabis space. I'm so excited for this week because we really wanted to focus on education and that is why we have an amazing guest here to share her story and how she helps educate and destigmatize the industry with her e-learning platform and business, Sativa Science Club. Mary J. Poppins, as her students call her, is an entrepreneur, ganja girl boss, and a queen in the industry. I hope you guys love this episode, and if so, please click, rate, and review us on iTunes. Okay, now for our interview with Mary. The show, Mary. Um, hey guys, uh, just so you know, we, we just tried to do that and it didn't work, so now we're re-recording again. Um, so I apologize for that technical difficulty. How are you, Mary? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. No, we're so excited to have you and thank you for your time today. Um, So I kind of want to just go right into it. Um, Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about you, your story, your background, um, and just where you come from in the industry, just to kind of give them a, a, a general overview of you? Sure. Um, my my name is Mary. My students actually call me Mary Jane Poppins. Um, I am the founder of Sativa Science Club out here. We say Portland, Oregon. Really, we're, we're mostly based online, but uh, we do a lot of activities out here in, in Portland, Oregon specifically. Um, and the main goal of our organization is really just to reach out to the community with a message of cannabis for for health, cannabis for holism, and different ways that you can tap into resources regarding cannabis um, in various legal states. That is so amazing. I, when I was looking on your website, I was just so intrigued by even the courses that you offer. And something that really resonated with me was um, the scholarships specifically for women and minorities. Can you touch on a little bit about what Sativa Science Club offers for scholarships um, for any of our listeners that are brand new to the industry and are maybe looking to t- take some courses or learn more? Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for asking. So we have, um, and actually, I, I've I've tried to make the scholarship thing even even more active, um, and I'll kind of explain that. So at Sativa Science Club, we offer a variety of different types of online classes. So there's the um, certification program, which is a twenty credit certification series, and then we also do each individual series on its own. So you can kind of mix and match, or just choose all the cart, or you can do the entire certification program. And we do have every, um, every semester, we'll do a scholarship for one full tuition and two half tuition um, students for women and minorities. So this is something that is by Sativa Science Club. So we, we then cover that scholarship. However, I've recently added an additional feature to the program, which allows people to basically pay it forward. Someone can purchase a class for $30, and that is on retainer. So we will be offering those by way of, um, let's say, Instagram giveaways or contests. We'll occasionally be throwing out these extra courses. So if you're following us on social media, you'll have an extra in. Wow, that is so cool. That is such a great incentive, too, for people who are already scrolling on Instagram every single day. Yeah, and it's really fun. It's a fun way to unite the community because there's people out there who really do genuinely want to support cannabis education and the proliferation of this knowledge. So being able to have that opportunity available to them 
I'm I'm really excited to see. We've already gotten a few pay it forwards covered, which is um, just showing me that people really genuinely care about spreading this knowledge. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. You know, for me, like, I truly support the education piece. And I, I, that's what drew me to Sativa Science Club. And when I found you, and for our listeners, when I was looking up, uh, you know, at cannabis education, and I found Sativa Science Club, it, it's so well presented in terms of just very easily looking through what you get in every course. So I encourage all of our listeners to go check it out at sativascienceclub.com. There, and your aesthetic too is just so beautiful and it's, it's just very well done. And and I applaud you for that. I think it looks great. Um, I had a couple questions in terms of uh, where you started and how did how you started City of Science Club? What, where did the idea come about? Where were you in that place in life? Um, just kind of the your your personal story and just uh, the beginnings of your business and um, education. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is really actually. I kind of walk in two worlds. So my background started in traditional Western herbalism. I was really, really interested as um, really a little girl into my early teenage years in the different ways that I can go out into my garden and pick a flower and I could heal someone or help someone who who needed my support. So um, I'd say about the age of 15 or so, I got deeply involved in, in herbalism. And that took shape over the decades, uh, many different ways. So I did attend several different schools for formal herbal medicine training. I also traveled around the states and parts of Mexico to understudy um, with some really amazing herbalists. So I had the opportunity to really connect with nature. Um, That entire time in my journey, I was surprised to find that cannabis was always this kind of like taboo topic. We, we all knew it was a plant. We all knew that it could heal. Um, but it wasn't something that was really openly discussed in herbalism. And I think that that Can is Can we touch on that a little bit for our listeners that don't know what herbalism is or what herbalists are? Can you just explain that a little bit of what they are? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So herbalism is the tradition of being able to um, identify a plant based on characteristics and know the various compounds within that plant and their medical properties. So for instance, um, someone that's aware that dandelion can be really helpful for the liver in certain instances if used properly. Uh, There's herbs and plants everywhere you look really, we're we're surrounded by nature and all of this nature was kind of um, crafted and and amazingly able to help us in, in a medically efficacious way. Um, so the study of herbalism is, is just learning a little bit more about those plants and how we can use them to heal ourselves and each other. Wow, that is so cool. And so you said that this happened when you were, that you started practicing herbalism when you were 15. What resources did you use that helped educate yourself or, or did you know someone or how did that piece start? So this is such a great question. And, and this is ultimately what led me to Sativa Science Club. I mean, there, there was a number of reasons why I ended up starting this particular project, but um, th- it's, it's relatively 
easy to find support in herbalism, but it's really about who you know. So there's, and, and it's different now than it was when I was starting out. When I was starting out, I started with books. Of course, I read as much as I could get my hands on. I found elders in my community, people who I, I knew gardened or people who I knew had a relationship with plants. And I started asking them questions. And this kind of led me down a rabbit hole until eventually I was pointed in the direction of, of different communities who were actively teaching herbalism in these kind of underground school-like settings. So um, people who were very well-read, perhaps they, they were even college, you know, master's level educated in, in things like botany or, or plant biology. Um, would hold these groups and others were, were not necessarily formally trained, but they were trained, you know, by way of word of mouth and tradition. And so they would be holding these groups in, in parks or they'd go for walks and they'd invite the community to join them just to teach about plants. It's, it's handing down this tradition that we've had, you know, since the, really the beginning of time of, of how to commune with nature. So um, they're definitely out there. They were much harder to find at the time, but I feel like it's more widely accepted now. I think herbalism is kind of bubbling to the surface and I'm seeing a lot of different online programs and a lot of different community programs and, and even colleges adopting a, a holistic programming. Um, so I, I have faith that it'll be much easier these days for people. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm a true believer of holistic health and I practice it in my own life. So I, I think that's amazing that um, our education system is now going to partake in uh, giving and offering those courses. Um, so when you started, what took you from learning about plants and, and adopting these people throughout the time when you were 15, as you were growing and learning about herbalism, what kind of took you to cannabis specifically? So again, I was, I was really curious why we didn't really talk about cannabis and herbalism and I found that, you know, there was, there's kind of this, this divide and I can't say this as a blanket statement about all herbalism or all herbalists, but I can say that oftentimes in my own personal experience, cannabis was this thing that we didn't necessarily talk about because there was so many other plants that we could celebrate and cannabis already had its time in the sun, I think was, was why, you know, more people were more, more willing to talk about things like lavender or holy basil. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, it was that curiosity, like, wait, there's this one plant that we're really not talking about in that way. And it's the plant that I, you know, I see every day. And I think I take the most for granted as well. And so I really wanted to develop a deeper relationship with this plant and get to know it in, inside and out and through and through like I would any other herb as a Western herbalist. So I, I had a friend at the time who has family out in the Emerald Triangle area and at a certain point she brought me out there to spend some time on her family's medical farm and and being in a field of cannabis two times as tall as yourself and the top of a mountain it just the right time of day it's, <laughs> I, it's unexplainable so I knew instantly that I, I'd found um, where I needed to be and, and that I really had some work to do with this plant. And, and I just let it guide me, I, I suppose. And so that did that take you and bring you to the idea of starting your own business? Yeah, so 
business acumen was always a quirk of mine. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I guess you have a degree in business sustainability, correct? Yeah. So it, it's kind of funny. I, I've I'm a very organized and analytical kind of person. I, I like charts and graphs and figures. I, I like I like. Um, also organizational behavior and kind of thinking of things strategically. And so as I was going through herbalism, I was finding, you know, that a lot of these teachers had had great intentions and they really wanted to share their information with the world, but they didn't have that type of skill set that allowed them to create businesses easily. And I, I looked at business as just a way to organize information or to organize and lead people. And I felt that that needed to be part of, of the herbal community in some way. So I did go to school for business um, and it ended up kind of being an obsession of mine. I, I ended up um, just collecting certificates and, and degrees in various things like project management and org development and, you know, nonprofit business management, grant writing. I wanted to know everything I possibly could about how to utilize my resources to reach as many people possible with this message of, of plants. That is so cool. Um, I want to go back to the very beginning when you started um, your business. What, at that point, where were you at in life? Were you working? Um, I know that you were a traveling intern for a while. Did it happen while you were traveling? Where did the idea pop? So, and Sativa Science Club's relatively recent. Back in 2010, I started a group called the Bridge City Botanical Collective. And that, I think, was the, the, the birth of the idea. Um, I united a group of herbalists, people who were already teaching herbalism. And I said, hey, let's have this community forum where we can get together online and we could do online study groups. And then, you know, whoever's offering classes or workshops, we could just keep each other in the know about that. So next thing I knew, we had this statewide community of herbalists who were uh, really active and doing all of these events. And I, I kind of worked to orchestrate some of those events in a cohesive way. Um, so if I knew that there were people who had these different skill sets offering different types of coursework, I might arrange, try to get them to arrange a calendar so that it was in sequential order for students who were, you know, just starting. Mm -hmm. um, so that way it wasn't just like these kind of off the cuff um, classes and workshops, uh, uh, like a grab bag of topics. It was really a comprehensive program. And, and that ended up really exciting me. I took that model and I applied it to creating herbalist programs for different herb shops around the country and different like naturopathic clinics, yoga studios who were interested in having some herbal education available. Uh, so I really kind of just took the information that was out there and reorganized it. And it wasn't until about 2015 or 16 that I really saw the need for this in the cannabis industry, but it had to be done a certain way because cannabis is a really, really special, a really special industry with a really special kind of professional. Um, I think that there's, there are more robust business practices. People, people are very adept um, in this specific plant-related corner of the industry. So that was really exciting to me that I was not only going to have the ability to teach about plants, but I could really support people who were excited about business in the way that I am as well. So it just seemed like something that, that needed its own attention and that I could really, um, really sink my teeth into. That is so cool. And I, 
I want to, I'm going to keep going backwards. I'm sorry. I want to go, I kind of want to take you back to when you were creating the uh, Sativa Science Club as a business, what gave you the inspiration for the branding because for me and for Oxen Plow, you know, we want to destigmatize the cannabis industry and we want to bring awareness and treat it just like how you're treating Sativa Science Club, which is just like any other business. It doesn't have to have a weed leaf, which you don't represent in your brand at all, which I, I love. Um, can you talk about how you decided to to come about with the way you decided to brand your business and what that process looked like for you? Cause I know that we've talked offline about that you did it all yourself. Yeah. And, and that has been a real evolution for me. I never in a million years would have thought that I would take to computers in the way that I have um, and in the different software programs that are available. Uh, like I said, I am a plant person. <laughs> I, I do not consider myself a, a tech person in any way. Um, but I, I'd say that it's kind of a, a melting pot of circumstances that, that led me to the brand that I have. And a lot of that, I think I do, um, I do a lot of, of vision boarding and of uh, work booking. I don't know. You guys for your, for your vision boards. Do you use like Pinterest or what are, what are oh, some vision boards that our listeners can um, take from you that helped you design your brand? Yeah. I use Pinterest as an inspiration all the time. I also use Instagram a lot for, for inspiration, just looking at really beautiful layouts and themes and kind of checking in with myself as I, I don't just look at those things. I like to journal as I do it. Um, and I, I have created a, a number of printouts for myself that I, I share through Sativa Science Club now with other entrepreneurs, but I, I kind of created a series of questions that I, I ask myself when I'm looking at design and like, what is, what does this mean to me? How does it speak to me? What does it ask me to do? And those are all things that I kind of started to catalog and, and track and really get a feel for my, my own brand voice. Like, what did I want to impart through Sativa Science Club? How do I want people to interact with this knowledge? And I let that kind of guide the design. And I, I really wanted it to be a place that felt calm for people. I, I feel like a lot of cannabis websites that I had been looking at at the time were very, um, very loud. There was a lot of stuff going on. You know, there's a lot of ads and a lot of features and a lot of flashy things to click on. And uh, I see like I... I, I now on the other end, like I get all the SEO stuff. I get what's happening there in the affiliate marketing. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um, but it really takes away from your, your story and your message. And I wanted people to come to my website and feel, feel really calm and drawn into the information. Yes. Um, and I think using those clean lines and the white spaces really helps people to digest that information, engage with it you know, review it and then move through the process. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and what I what first came to mind when when you said that was organic reach, as opposed to just what's going to get the most SEO. And I think a lot of times it just in my experience with other young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general that are gauging into this industry, that's all they care about. And I feel like I strongly believe that it is it is the organic reach that is going to be the long term uh, in terms of growth and opportunity. I feel like 
the organic approach will give person more leverage long-term as opposed to the short-term of only considering the SEO. And that's the thing is uh, I'm beginning to look at the, the people that I'm attracting to my website. Mm -hmm. Like I I want them to be organic. I want them to be naturally led to me. I want, I want the end user to be that person, the person that I'm trying to speak to the person that wants to hear my message. Um, And I feel like, there's there's really no other other way to do it as like it just doesn't make sense to me as a business owner why you wouldn't want the exact person that you're seeking on the other end of that computer you know yeah no I totally agree um and your website I can't get over it you guys you have to go check it out um it's just very beautifully laid out and each picture is laid out beautifully um and it really represents your story it truly does and um I absolutely love it um I want to talk about your personal journey with cannabis and how it's affected your life. If you consume what you consume, can you walk us through that? Yeah, definitely. So oddly enough, when I was younger, I was really uh, anti-cannabis. When I was a little, little girl, I was in the D.A.R.E. program, you know, in grade school. And um, weren't we all? Um, it, so, you know, it starts you off with these weird feelings and then, but then I was really interested in plants and cannabis was a plant. And so that just seemed weird to me. And, um, in, you know, I'm not going to lie in high school, all the kids are doing it. When I was a kid, that was, that was the thing. And I felt like I needed to be included in the scene. And, um, I, now I look back on that and I'm like, man, that, that sucks that that was my first introduction. Like I didn't really. I wasn't at the point in my life where I could really sit with cannabis and understand its medicine. It was just something I was doing to, to be included. And so I think like grappling with all of those like hard feelings that like I was trying to develop a relationship with a plant on one hand, but on another hand, I was trying to make friends um, in this really kind of silly way. And I don't know. I think that, that all of those feelings that, that you have, like what other plant as, as just as like a suburban kid, like what other plant is so prevalent in your mind, you know, like it's just, so, um, so yeah, I guess that was, that was kind of a weird thing that I just being the person that I am later in life, I, I wanted to really be introspective about and grow with. So I did try to use cannabis more intentionally towards my, my early twenties or so. And was and, it for any specific medical reason or anxiety or anything like that? You know, when I was younger, cannabis gave me anxiety every single time. And looking back at that, I feel like it, it could be any number of things. It could be that the cannabis I was getting wasn't clean. Um, maybe it, you know, had a high level of pesticides or the way that it was handled was improper. Um, it could also have to do with the specific chemo bar and it's just not, not right for me. And so I kind of, I I got anxiety when I smoked cannabis, which made me concerned about cannabis. But then later on, I, I realized that I could be using it for an autoimmune disease that I have. And um, so I, I wanted to, to try it as a medicine. I what knew is the, the plants. What is the autoimmune disease that you suffer with for all of our listeners that are wondering that maybe you're suffering with the same thing? Uh-huh. So the autoimmune disease that I have is a... It, it affects the 
the pelvic floor wall. It's like a muscle spasm disorder. And it also kind of affects some neurological things. So I get a lot of, I get kind of brain fog, a little bit of confusion. I have some, some learning, actually, ironically enough, some learning disabilities um, that I cause as a result of the, the autoimmune disorder. And that's just, you know, speculation. Um, but I do think that that amount of like constant stress, mm-hmm. you know, and many women have many different types of autoimmune disorders. This is something we all face. Um, or know someone who does face this. So uh, like, it's, it's a conversation we all need to be having. Um, so yeah, I feel like I, at the time I had, I had heard that cannabis was going to be a helpful tool for, for muscle spasms. And so it made sense to me that I would try it, but I was nervous because of the anxiety that it had caused me as a teenager. Um, so I was, I was a lot more intentional about it. I started journaling about it. Um, and really kind of writing my symptoms and what I was experiencing and then smoking cannabis at night alone by myself under the covers with a light <laughs> <laughs> and then writing how, you know, how it made me feel and, and really working through all of that helped me face that, that stress and that anxiety and come out the other side. Like I, I was able to work through all those weird conflicting feelings I had about consuming cannabis, I think from being indoctrinated with anti-cannabis propaganda from such a young age. I think that, that was a large, a large portion of it, I would smoke and then I'd feel guilt and then I would get anxiety because of the guilt. And so being able to use cannabis in hopes that it would help me with this medical ailment and then really think about that process allowed me to break through that barrier and get through that guilt and come to know cannabis as a, as a medical plant. And so coming from that and doing all of the journaling and the experiencing and of different strains, did you, do you, have you found the strain that works the best for you or what are some strains that work the best for you um, for people that maybe suffer with the autoimmune disease such as yourself or one that's similar to yours? Um, what are some strains that you recommend or that you use that help you? So, and this is so, this is the thing about herbalism is that it's going to be different Contingent on each person. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is why it's so important, so incredibly important that we shift the conversation away from the indica sativa binary Mm -hmm. and start talking about cannabis in terms of chemovar. So what is the actual compounds and content in this flower specifically and how are those compounds going to work together once inside of my body mm-hmm. um, and everyone's going to have different experiences I know for myself I plants that have a, a really high level of caryophyllene the terpene caryophyllene really tend to give me um, more of an anxious feeling and so I try to avoid those but I that is it's a a lot more nuanced than, you know, saying this strain will do this or this yeah, strain. Yeah, you don't really hear a lot of people talk about what's inside the plant and how it affects them individually. You hear about people talking about the strains, like you were saying. Um, if our listeners, because most of them, I'm sure a lot of them are so used to hearing strains and what strain works for this and that, what are, how can we, what's one maybe little piece of education that you can offer them that would help them kind of move away from that so much as to kind of go back to what you were saying, which is what works best in this plant for my specific body? So uh, I think 
I think we're kind of at a, a funny place in the cannabis industry right now. Strain names aren't necessarily a good indicator of effect. However, they can give you some some information about perhaps the lineage of the plant. Um, everything got so jumbled up through prohibition and through this plant traveling and through crossbreeding that it's really hard to say for certain what the genetic lineage of any plant is without actually getting expensive genetic testing done um, to figure out the, the precise lineage, which is why strain names are, they're, they're kind of hit or miss. I mean, <laughs> there are groups in biotech organizations like, like for instance, Phylos Bioscience, um, they have the Phylos Galaxy. If you just Google Phylos Galaxy, it's uh, amazing. You can get lost for hours in there. Uh, and basically what this does is it, it maps the genome of cannabis uh, in a 3D way. So you can see the specific plant that has been tracked, its genome has been tracked back to its parent plant and its, you know, its history and lineage can be um, definitively said so so there are some plants out there that have actually had that that sort of testing done and once that testing is done it becomes easier to say what we can expect once we we understand the genetics in in a way that's very cut and dry we can talk about the the compounds that should be found within that plant um, with a lot more information to back it up however I think that I think that the key is really to get to know your terpenes. Um, unfortunately, I'd love to say that yes, some strain names work, some strain names don't. You really have to. It, it it's just more complicated <laughs> than that. <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that by knowing your terpenes and getting to know what terpenes are, how terpenes work. Um, how they interact with cannabis once in the body, how they engage our, our ECS. What's it a becomes good, a what's a good online resource to find out more about terpenes and how they work and what their effect is. So I am a huge proponent of um, not really hitting up dot coms for that kind of information. I highly suggest doing research on websites like ResearchGate. Um, ResearchGate. ResearchGate. Gate. Okay. I'll yeah, put it's that a, in the it's, show notes for everyone so they can go to it. Awesome. Yeah, you guys, uh, third-party peer-reviewed scholarly articles all the way. If you're getting cannabis information, it's really the only way to know that you're getting something legit. At this point, everything, it's like a big game of telephone, I think. Um, a lot of people will hand down stories and information about cannabis science and, you know, things slightly get tweaked as it gets handed down and, you know, moved from blog to blog to blog and next thing you know you have this really kind of sorted not accurate information that's heavily proliferated on the internet so uh, really the only way to battle that is to seek out peer-reviewed scholarly articles for all of your research okay that's really really good information for our listeners um i want to transition a little bit and talk about um the organ craft Cannabis Alliance, what it's like for you and what you do there. I think a lot of our listeners would be really interested to hear that. And I'm selfish and want to know for myself um, since I'm from Portland and I uh, just love it. Uh, so if you could just talk a little bit about that for us. 
Yeah, thank you. So the Oregon Craft Cannabis Alliance is a, an alliance of Oregon-based cannabis groups. You have to be over 51% owned here in Oregon. And the idea is really to um, set Oregon aside as this really special place for cannabis. I mean, our, our industry is really something something else. And I've been to, to just about every legal state so far in the U.S. And I feel like they all have their own, um, you know, unique um, things that make them really special. And for Oregon, it's all about education and community and sustainability. So the Oregon Craft Cannabis Alliance really stands by those values. And together we have created this network of businesses that support each other with various different activities and resources. And as a member of the board of directors for the Alliance, we really um, we're trying to create a space to really highlight those businesses that are going above and beyond to be sustainable and to really engage in organ culture. That is so cool. What's your most favorite part about being part of the Alliance and what does it do for you and your personal growth and for your business? So my favorite part, you know, I think I just, I just accepted a seat on the programs committee and that is just planning all the parties. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, sign up for that, a hundred percent. So that's my one of my favorite parts. The other part is just being able to uh, work alongside such inspiring entrepreneurs. I mean, I every time I sit in on a board meeting, I'm just in awe of how brilliant <laughs> these business owners are. It's amazing. So I feel very, very honored to be um, sitting amongst them, and. Let's see. What was the other, the other, how, how it's uh, affected your personal growth and your business? Yes. So I, I'd say that is probably how it's affected my, my personal growth. The most is, is being able Getting to experience uh, around other entrepreneurs and, and just kind of being around your, your own tribe. Right. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. just that, that inspiration and, and looking at those people, mm-hmm. you know, at, as, real guides for for me for inspiration so um that that's really been invaluable but for my business i think that um being able to as a business being able to show that you you genuinely care i think it's really important for me sustainable business community business um is really important to be able to say, you know, hey, I this is my my home. I care about it. I care about the people in it, and because of that care, I I'm going to set aside any you know business conflict, any kind of feelings of competition, and like I'm I'm going to table those for the better of Oregon, and and that was a, a conscious business decision that I made to align myself with other organizations, knowing full well that at one point. Or another, yeah, there could be many cannabis colleges in Oregon, and I want to work alongside all of them. If we're all fighting for the same fight, I, I want to know that, you know, like I'm I'm in it to win it as well. So the cab- the collaboration versus the competition, regardless of what industry, uh, what piece of the industry they're in, especially one that's just like your own. Yeah, like there's a bigger picture here, right. and I think being able to tap into that is is really amazing. Yeah, no, I, I think I completely agree. I, I mean, I speak to so many other different, you know, women entrepreneurs and where and whereas they are in the exact same space as me, design, branding, media, 
and there's nothing but love and collaboration and just bouncing ideas off each other. And, you know, that's kind of the, the real basis of Oxen Plow too, is to support other women in the industry. And I'm curious to know who in the industry, um, has inspired you the most and, and has affected maybe your growth in your business at this point? Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) Or maybe a couple, it could, it could be specifically a woman. If you have um, a woman in mind that our listeners can um, also aspire for. Oh man. Um, so and this person isn't in the cannabis industry necessarily, okay. but there's okay. an herbalist um, that I am really, really, actually there's, there's two women, I think, not in the cannabis industry that I'm deeply inspired by. And the, the first is a woman, she's, she's recently passed away. Her name is Cascade Anderson, Anderson Geller, um, just an amazing advocate, activist, woman, herbalist, teacher, mother, sister, just an incredible woman. Um, and she really taught me to to tap into kind of the more political side of things through through plants. And I think that that has inspired me to do what I'm doing with cannabis. I think th- she really inspired me to create a program specifically because I want it to affect the vote, because if that vote is affected, then people are going to be looking at plants in, in a different way. Um, so she she really changed my life. And the other woman that I really, really enjoy a lot is Maria Forleo. Are you familiar with her? I'm not. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about her and what she does? Yeah. So Maria Forleo is an infopreneur. She has obviously a website. She's got a YouTube channel. She does amazing, amazing work interviewing amazing people. Um, she's basically just like a a master of inspiration. She does a program called B School, which is essentially like the business version of, um, it's kind of like Sativa Science Club. They have these different programs and mentors and, and different avenues that you can take. And, and it's like a, a real in-depth annual program around business and entrepreneurship. But I think that she's just, she's very inspiring and I, I really like her message. Do you consider her a mentor for you? Um. I would love to say that I, <laughs> I had ever met her yet as in terms of just watching her videos. Um, absolutely. Like I definitely take her advice to heart in my business for sure. Yeah. I, I listen to a lot of other business entrepreneurial women and things like that. And I consider them my mentors, even though I haven't met them because I've read their books or I, you know, reached out to them on social media or, you know, they've said something on social media that resonated with me and changed my perspective in my own business or in my own life. And so I think that's, that's really great that um, to hear that you, it seems that you are in the same realm realm of that in terms of other women in the industry and not in the industry that can inspire you. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's no shortage of incredible women. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's, it was hard for me in the beginning when I got in this industry and I, I haven't quite shared that, that piece of my story with the listeners, but um, you know, I, I wasn't as supported um, in the very beginning. And I think, you know, being able to 
have that open mind of like we were speaking about earlier, which is the collaboration versus the competition. I think it's so important because that opens more doors to be inspired by other people in the industry, women that are in the industry or not in the industry and have those relationships cultivated. I think in this space is so important. Absolutely. Definitely. And I love seeing that there are these, these, you know, different kinds of women's groups popping up all the country too like you know women grow is wonderful but there's also groups like tokativity and there's groups like they're actually going to be a guest on our podcast (laughs) tokativity is going to be a guest on our podcast (laughs) oh awesome yeah i mean there's there's so and what's great about them is that there's there's so many different kinds of groups like this that that speak to a different kind of woman so what says to me is if there's so many like it's obvious that in cannabis, we're seeing that this isn't just a specific group. This isn't a specific demographic. It's not a specific kind of woman. There are so many different women approaching cannabis from so many different angles for so many different reasons. And the fact that they can all organize <laughs> and, and commune as like just badass entrepreneurs, yeah. like it's incredible. It's incredible. There, there's no shortage of different ways that you can look at things either and I think that is the most exciting thing is I know that I can go to six different kinds of women in leadership or women in cannabis events and get six different points of view for you know whatever problem or situation I'm I'm working my way through and that is so helpful oh I agree yeah and I mean it's and even and the respect with all of the other women in the industry that I have um, come across, I'm sure yourself as well, we all have different perspectives, but we also respect each one's perspective as not right or wrong, but just as their own mind and their own view of that situation, I think is, is really incredible too, that I've gotten able, that I've been able to experience. Um, I wanted to ask you, And I know our listeners are curious as well. What are some pieces of advice that you can give um, other women that are coming into the industry and not, and maybe not women, men too, um, that are just starting out, they have an idea, they're not sure what to do with it. um, And they just kind of are like, okay, well, maybe I could do this. Maybe I couldn't. And they don't know where to start. What's some advice you can give them that, um, would be something that maybe you learned in the very beginning or something that you've taken with you since the beginning? Okay, so here's the thing. Just with my business hat on, you guys, <laughs> cannabis is so volatile. The, the industry can change at the drop of a hat. That can be for political reasons. That could be for local reasons. Uh, it, it could have, you know, more to do with the plant itself, but it can change so quickly. And I, I actually did just turn down um, a huge contract with someone who wanted me to help them start a a grow facility in Portland, Oregon. And I, I honest to goodness, I couldn't do it. Like, it's just, it's not a good time here in the market. Like you can't expect to be successful opening a grow operation right now in the state of Portland, Oregon, because the saturation level is just insane. So I think really considering those very, very important factors, a lot of are like very starstruck by cannabis or they're just so excited to get into the industry and they, they, they maybe they have an investment and they need to know where to put it or maybe they're just really excited and they're going to go for it and they don't care what business they start but they're you know they just want to do something um 
do your due diligence on your research for your market, know exactly what you can expect to make, create a, a three-year long financial plan, like really, really, really look at this from all possible angles because people are losing their shirts. And I, I think that I think that a lot of people, you know, they still have that green rush idea in mind. They still think that everyone in cannabis is a multimillionaire. And that is so far from the truth. So far from the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If we're just being real here, just the very first thing you need to do if you want to get into the cannabis industry is make sure that it's really feasible to do this idea that you have in the first place and be willing to be flexible with that. Like, be, be ready to change. <laughs> yeah, change. I think being adaptable to change is probably the most important tool you can have in your toolbox in this industry at this time. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I think that's great. I think our listeners are really going to appreciate that um, advice um, and myself. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for all of your time today. Um, Just such valuable information. And I just, I'm so excited that we get to share this with so many people. Um, Tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So obviously sativascienceclub.com. If you sign up for our newsletter, that's a really great place to start. I share all kinds of information in there that I don't share anywhere else lots and lots of freebies, all kinds of printouts and webinar invites and videos and what have you. So um, that's a really great place to engage and get to know us a little better. But you will also want to follow us on Instagram, um, Sativa Science Club with little underscores in between there. Um, And then we recently hopped on Twitter. We've got a whopping 70 followers. So (laughs) Okay, guys, Twitter is the first place we need to go. We need to follow (laughs) Sativa Science Club on Twitter right now. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, we're on Facebook and Pinterest if you're a pinner. Is it it Sativa Science Club? That's it in the Pinterest search. Yes, ma'am. Okay, cool. All right. Well, Mary, thank you so much again for all of your time. And everyone, go check out www.sativascienceclub.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.